Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast for mid-career professionals seeking practical career advice. Hey, Kat. Hey, Liz. So, Kat, I'm super, super excited because today we are welcoming Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, whose tagline I just Love. I saw it. I'm like, yes, we have to talk to her. So Carol's career now is helping high achieving professional women at midlife courageously design a career brand and life they love. Love it. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. Carol is a coach, a speaker, a best-selling author and business owner. And Carol, I'm fangirling over here. So please tell us about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Oh, wow. Like, do I start that I was born on a rainy day in November? Well, clearly, (laughs) clearly that's the beginning. (laughs) Well, you know, it's been an interesting journey. I have been one of those people who followed the traditional career path that we're all towed to, to, you know, go to school and get that great degree and land that job and climb that ladder and so on and so forth. Until I realized that I really was on the wrong ladder. And (laughs) while I was up there thinking, how the hell did I get here? And do I really want to stay? Which was a big resounding no. And through some life circumstances, I really started to kind of really lean into what I wanted and asking myself the question of what was important to me, as opposed to what felt like what was important to everybody else. Uh Uh You know, I made some transitions in my career, but realized that there was a through line through all of it, which was that, you know, I love teaching and supporting and motivating and inspiring women. And so at the uh, precipice of my 50th birthday, I decided, you know what, I'm going to like bag this and go (laughs) do what I love. And, and that is connecting with women and supporting them and inspiring them, which also inspires and motivates me. And, um, and that's what I've been doing for the last now seven years. And, and, you know, I've been, it's funny because I do a local segment on a morning show here and she made a comment that she's like, well, you've had a lot of career changes in your life. And when I thought about it, I'm like, a lot of times when people hear that, they think, oh, flighty or, you know, moved here and there. But like I said, there really was a through thread through everything I've done. So I became an attorney. I was an employment and labor attorney because I wanted to help people love what they do and help employers create a space to allow people to love what they do. (laughs) I then transitioned and became a senior leader in HR because I wanted to help create policies that supported Mm -hmm. that practice. I became an organizational consultant and management consultant doing coaching training inside, Mm -hmm. coaching executives, creating leadership programs, coaching teams, working with team development to help them be better at what they do. Mm -hmm. And then I went into academe after I got my PhD and taught leadership and leadership development, you know, from the theoretical perspective, how you can really be better. And so I taught led programs and then moved into academic leadership as an associate dean before I walked away. So even though it seems like my career was varied, it truly was the same through thread that went all the way through my entire career, including what I'm doing now. So, um, so yeah, I think I, you know, it's what landed me here. It's what I love to do. I'm a mom of two kiddos that I love who are not kiddos anymore. They're in their (laughs) twenties, but still (laughs) they're my babies. And I live here in the Pacific Northwest, you know, doing what I do. So I don't see that as like crazy pivoting at all. I totally see the path. Uh Uh Like, I love how it just evolved and it kind of organically kept growing. And like, 
shifting. So it's not like you're a partner at an employment law firm. Now that's the steps, but it's not like you went from like dramatic actor to, you know, brain surgeon (laughs) to, you know, marketer. Right. Like there's such a clear path there. I feel like when you tell the story. Yeah, it is. And and I think that's true for a lot of people, but I think we're so afraid to make these shifts and pivots mm-hmm. because we think it'll seem or look odd. And even like I said, when I heard it, when I heard it back to me, when she said, when well, you've had a lot of different careers, I thought, well, no, I really didn't. <laughs> you know, I do what I, what I believe really strongly is that we have certain things that we are good at, that we mm-hmm. love doing, that um, we could do in our sleep. And mm-hmm. if we're lucky enough, we can find ways to, to realize that work in what we do, where we get a paycheck from every single day. And yeah. that to me is the goal is yeah. that it doesn't matter what it looks like, right? It doesn't matter what you call it really, as long as you're able to do it, you know what it is and you're able mm-hmm. to do that on a daily basis. I love that. I think that we are given gifts and it's our job to use them, right? So 100%. A, a career is a really good way to utilize our gifts. So 1000%. Yes. Yes. So Carol, in your bio, you talk about your life-changing car accident and literally being between a rock and a hard place, right? Yeah. And often in life, you know, not everyone gets to have that kind of a you know, giant moment, right? But, you know, to use Adam Grant's words, we're languishing. So what do you say to people who don't find themselves at a crossroads, but just find themselves kind of trudging through? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think there are a couple things. I think that even though the car accident was a crossroad, it was not the first time that I had this inkling, this feeling, this idea that I'm not in the right place, I'm not doing the right thing, like there's more, there's something different, like what does that look like? Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, I think that, you know, we do have our gifts and if we're lucky enough, we get to really manifest those in the work that we do. But sometimes we're at places where only 20% of that gift is realized and mm-hmm. 80% of it is stuff we really can't stand. And so and, and so we're trying to hang on deeply to that 20% and and try to stretch that and extend that and lean into that, hoping that'll be enough, but it doesn't, it's not quite enough. So we hear this idea, this whisper that says, you need to do something different or, mm-hmm. or, or try something new. And yes, for me, the car accident was a definitive kind of moment of really thinking about that. You know, I always yeah. say, I heard this voice that was in the car with me that said, turn now. And mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that, that, voice is what kept resonating with me that I think we all hear this whisper that says turn now or do something different, but we don't. And so we just languish. And we do that for a couple of reasons. One, we're afraid of making the wrong decision, right? So this rock in the hard place thing, when they said turn now, I'm like, you know, turn where? Because neither one of them seemed great. And I think in life, oftentimes our options aren't like magnificently wonderful here and horrible there, that's easy. Mm-hmm. They're usually a little variation of the same. And if we make a decision, we're so afraid of making the wrong decision mm-hmm. that we just decide to stay where we are because, you know, as they say, better the devil we know than the devil we don't. Right. And then we slowly kind of, in my case, in the car accident, it would have killed me had I not turned, but we die this kind of emotional and spiritual kind of death, just like you say, language 
languishing and settling Mm -hmm. for something because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. The other thing that we do is that we have this idea that when we make a choice, it's a forever choice and it's not a right now choice, right? We we don't give ourselves the grace to say, you know what? I can try it. If it doesn't work, guess what? I can do something different. We think that if I make this decision, you know, my life as I know it, it's going to end or change or something as opposed to giving ourselves the grace, the permission to say, let me try this and see yeah. what I can learn from it, grow from it, what happens with it. And if it doesn't work out, then I could do something different. And you know what, if it does work out and I decide to still move on to something different, I have the permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think the final thing is that we buy into the sunk cost fallacy, right? This idea that's usually in investing that I've sunk in all this money in my education. I've already been working here for 20 years. I'm two steps from retirement. Uh, I have my 401ks vested, right? We like, we just like, I put all my eggs in that basket. And so I might as well stay. Double down. I might as well double down and hold on and grit my Mm -hmm. teeth and just go Mm -hmm. for the ride because I've already invested so much. I can't, even though it's not the right place for me to go, even though I'm burning out, even though it's killing me spiritually and emotionally, you know, even though like, I'd rather stick needles in my eyes and show up here on another, right? whatever it is, like I'm going to hang in there because I've already gone down this path and I can't redirect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this idea, all of these reasons are the reason I think we just sit and languish mm-hmm. and waste away. And, you know, I'm just like, you get one bite at this apple of life and yes. I'm not going to freaking waste it. And for me, the accident woke me up to really realize that, mm-hmm. but man, you're so far ahead of the game. If you just say to yourself, I don't want to live a good enough life or settle mm-hmm. for something, mm-hmm. but I want to really live my life and mm-hmm. all the wonderfulness that it has to offer. So I'm going to go out there and choose between the rock and the hard place, because who knows what door that's going to open up for me. Mm-hmm. And I think by moving forward, right, even if it may not be the best long-term decision, at least you're empowering yourself to take a step forward. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. And then you don't have to have regrets of, oh, I wish I had done that. I wonder yes. what would have happened if I had done that. Right? Totally. You know, and that's what God, I'm blanking on the, the gentleman's name. He did a study around the things that people regret aren't the things that we've done. Right? Because mm-hmm. we can get over that or justify it away or even forget about it. Yeah. What we often do later in life is look back over the things that we didn't do. Those yes. are the regrets that hang yeah. on to us are the choices we didn't make the times that we didn't take that risk when we didn't make that move. So what you said is so true. You know, we end up living this life of regret because we just didn't take that chance or that risk or trust ourselves enough to know that it's okay to lean into something new and different. Well, and I think there's fear. Totally. So, like you said, the evil, you know, versus the evil, you don't, but like, okay, I'm doing this. I really want to do that. Or I think I want to do that. Or I don't know what I want to do, but it's anything but this. And then there's this stuck thing Mm -hmm. and fear. Okay, well, if I don't do this, what am I going to do? And then there's the unknown abyss. Yes. Or there's, I don't know how to get from here to there. So I'm going to stay here because this is a paycheck and the rent is due on the 30th. Right. (laughs) Sometimes like the road either is uncertain, Mm -hmm. which leads to the languishing and the staying because I don't know what else I want to do. And I, the, the rents do. 
And yeah. sometimes it's like, that seems so far away. How am I ever going to do this? Yeah. So how do you help people? Not only, you know, Kat and I talk all the time. We're like, put together a must have list. And then we've even tried to help people figure out how to put together a must have list. But how do you help people figure out what their goal is? And then secondary question, plan out how to get there. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things, you know, the first thing that I think is really important for people to do is to start finding an appreciation of where they are and what they have. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. And the, yes. yes. And the reason I think that's so important is because when we are constantly looking forward without appreciating like what we have and how far we've come, mm-hmm. we forget all that we already have. And yes. so we keep chasing after something thinking, oh no, the good stuff is over there. When actually a lot of the good stuff is right here. Yep. So the first thing is really, really having this appreciation and understanding of like what you already have. I often have my clients do what I call a hundreds list where like, I'm like, you sit down and write a hundred things, all the accomplishments, all the great things you've done, all the achievements, all the awards, the added girls, the whatever it was so that you can really lean in and be appreciative for all that you have to offer. Cause we, we're so quick to, okay, I've done that. Let's move to next, particularly as high achieving women. We're always like, like, what's the next goal? What's the next goal? Mm-hmm. And we don't stop and appreciate what we've done already, right? Yeah. So to me, that's the first thing. Yeah. Then you can then start catching a vision and getting crystal clear on where do I see myself going next? What do I see myself, you know, really leaning into moving forward? Then you can reverse engineer that mm-hmm. and say, okay, so this is where I see myself being and what I want to have. How do I then, like, what are the steps to get there? Like if I were yeah. talking to my future self mm-hmm. and she's there already, ask her, what did you do? <laughs> like, like really, like what, what yeah. were you thinking? What fears did you get over? Like, how did you, and, and every time you get met with a fear or an obstacle, you ask your future self, like, well, what would she do? Like, she's there already. <laughs> she clearly got over it. <laughs> She clearly moved past it, right? Yeah. So, so, so you start thinking in a way that positions you for that before you even get there. Mm-hmm. And a key to the like the big bow on the whole thing is that you've got to be flexible and adaptable because mm-hmm. shit'll got it's just gonna happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. All so day, you, every day. Oh, and so and and the biggest problem is when people, you know, like you say, this is a long road to get where you want to go. And we like to lay it out, but we don't make room for, well, there could be a blip, an obstacle, something can happen. And then we throw the whole thing out and say, well, see, it never could work. So we have to be open to, okay, this is where I see myself going. And if and that's why having the mindset of what did she do to get there? So as obstacles pop up. You can say, well, okay, to get to that other place, I have to get around this because that's where I want to go. So I didn't expect it. So what do I need to Mm -hmm. do to regroup to move forward? It's such a powerful exercise doing that. That may sound a little woo to some of our (laughs) listeners, but I want to, I want to say, try it. Yeah. Yes. You know, you don't have to go through a big ceremony or anything. You can sit, sit down with a pad of paper and just ask your future self some questions and you might be really surprised what comes back. It is so powerful. I, I'm glad, you know, and I, you know, I work with women in pharma, tech, science, yeah. healthcare. So I have a lot of my people are like, what? <laughs> but okay. I will tell right. You, right. I will tell you when they do it, they're like, what? 
opened up for me because the problem is we women do not give ourselves permission, the time and space to ask ourselves these deep rooted questions. And so, like I said, we're always going after the technical high end thing that we don't ask the fundamentals and making that list and really asking yourself, where do you see and what does she look like? What is she doing? How is she operating? You know, how is she showing up in the world? How does she feel? How does she she feel about her life? How does she feel about her life? And if that, if you can answer that question, then the next step is, well, then how can I start getting, feeling, acting and being that today so I can get one step closer Mm -hmm. to who that girl is? Mm-hmm. And I, I love that hundred thing list because I think so many people, you know, the buzzword is imposter syndrome, but like, they're like, oh, I just can't, I stink. I, I'm not like those other people. And it's then you look at your list of accomplishments and like, you know, I'm thinking for myself, like the first thing I think is like, heck, I'm raising two kids and my husband used to travel 90% of the time and I worked during it. And nobody like went without a meal or anything. Yeah, like, awesome are you? You know, how awesome are you? That's some boss totally. level stuff right there. That's right. <laughs> and so, but like, it's it's like the you know I keep going. I moved cross country with a ten week old. That's idiotic, but I did it. And like little things like that that aren't even on my resume clearly, mm-hmm. but remind me if I can do that. I can do anything. Absolutely. Oh, you nailed it on the head. You nailed it on the head. It reminds you of your strengths. And, and here's, here's another tip. I've done this exercise before. I've worked with folks who've done it too. And it's not, some people just like can whip out that hundred faster than, you know, faster than anything. Other people, it takes more time. So yeah. I would say if you come across any resistance, just say, all right, we got some resistance. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to work through it and Mm -hmm. make yourself do that hundred list. Even if it takes you a little bit longer than you thought, because that list can empower you. Mm -hmm. Right. Carol, do you have people like with the list have like, be like if when they're stuck, they ask, ask someone close to you. Like ask your board of advisors to help with your list. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we, we were so used to, not tooting our own horns, not, not saying all the greatness that we've done. Just like you said, like traveling across, you know, moving across country with a 10 week old, like, like we, we think of these things when we do these incredible feats of greatness, we think "Eh, nothing, right. We play it down so much that sometimes we forget all the great stuff that we've done. So asking people close to you is super smart to do. It's super smart to do. And what I love about that is that, you're right. You know, do you put on a resume that I moved across country with a 10 week old? No, but what you can't put across the resume is that you are an exceptional organizer, planner. You were tenacious. You, you are a risk taker. You're adventurous that you know how to create opportunities where none exists. I mean, it's like all, all of that. that is true, Carol. And you just met Liz. Right. Awesome. <laughs> right. So learning right. how to translate those things into mm-hmm. tangible skills that we can absolutely use yeah. will just raise our deserve level and worth levels just exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so it's, we, we've got to do that. It's, you know, yeah. if we, if we want to create any kind of, any kind of long lasting change, it starts with you know, respecting ourselves and acknowledging that. Yeah. And being as kind to ourselves as we are to others. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Carol, you focus on coaching women, right? Mm -hmm. How do you advise women to balance their lives and growth to move towards more happiness? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, women, like just as, I mean, here, Liz is a prime example, right. Of 
all of the things she juggles and she manages a business, right? And she's Mm -hmm. an executive. So tell us what your words of wisdom are for, for women who want, who want more happiness and who want to take those risks, but also want balance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first thing is I don't believe in balance. I kind of hate Mm -hmm. that word. It's a dirty word for me because the reason is because when you think about it, it means that you have to give away something or Mm -hmm. um, that you're sacrificing one for the other, as Mm -hmm. opposed to seeing it, what I like to call is alignment. And Mm -hmm. so if you think about your life as an ecosystem, right, that has career, family, fun, you know, whatever. It has all these little components within the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. If the core of the ecosystem is really aligned to like your values, your beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, what is important to you, what you really want to lean in on. Mm -hmm. If that's at the core, then everything you do in all the other aspects of your ecosystem, your career, your family, your life, or whatever, will all be given what they need because it's all coming from the same place. It's all aligned, right? So you bring your values and passion and, and what you love to your family, to your mm-hmm. to your career, and to other aspects. And at some points and times in the ecosystem, some things take more attention than others. And that's okay. That's okay to lean in more here and not over here and then lean in more later on in this aspect and Mm -hmm. and not at certain times. So we have to beat ourselves up thinking that we have to somehow or other like cut ourselves up in many pieces to make sure that we're equally balancing the scales and everything (laughs) in our life and be okay that for the next six months, I'm going to be leaning over here in this part of my ecosystem a little bit more than over here, but I still have an eye on that. Yes. I'm still taking care of it. Mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, have some, I still have a foot over there. This is mm-hmm. maintaining itself enough that it doesn't need my full attention. Yeah. This does. So let me lean over here. And then when that's where it needs to be, I can lean into a different part of my ecosystem and successfully deal with that. And to me, that's about aligning everything with the core of who you are, your values. Yeah. Yes, and yes. everything that you believe in so that as you do take care of things, they do get taken care of in the best possible way. I love that. Very holistic. Like, I feel like I, balance, balance, balance has always been the thing. And balance has always been a hard thing to achieve, but it's all because I have all these things I want to do that's related to the overall happiness and core of who I am and kind of what I want to achieve on this earth. Yes, And so it's that tit for tat doesn't work. No. But no. what works is, am I happy? Am I able to sleep? Am I relaxed? Yes, mm-hmm. of course. If you do not have time to eat, sleep, exercise, take care of yourself, something's got to give. You're not, it's not working. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, yeah. it's not a give and take. It's a whole. That's, I just, that's mm-hmm. exactly right, right? So if you want to mm-hmm. focus, for example, on your health and wellness. Yeah. Well, maybe this you're starting something new. That's going to take a little bit more <sighs> of your energy. Because you're going to have to like create a plan, clean out the fridge, you know, get an exercise routine, but it's going to take more of your energy. It doesn't mean you're not paying attention to the other things, Mm -hmm. but if we think about balance, we're like, well, I can only give so much to that because I have to make sure I give Mm -hmm. so much to this. No, you know, and that's what messes us up in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some things stay like maybe your career flatlines for a bit because you're really focused on family or health or something else. And then that gets more under control. And like, it's like, 
scale calibration that happens yeah. Yeah. not a balance it's just mm-hmm. a little calibration a little bit here you turn yes. up the, the mm-hmm. base over here and you turn down the truck you know <laughs> it's just this constant and that's what life is it's this yes. constant adjustment and calibration that you're making yeah. but you're leaning into your health because it's a value system that you mm-hmm. like health is important to me so i'm going to yeah. make sure i'm going to spend a little bit more time here to get that in check yep. because it needs a little bit more attention and then when that feels like that's mm-hmm. in a good place then you can turn it to something else. And, you know, for me, that's just the way I've always been. I mean, I was, I went through, you know, I was divorced before. And so I was a single mom until I remarried for about eight years. And mm. I too moved across country pregnant and with a 18 month old. Oh, so, wow. so I like high virtual high five to you on that one. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, trying to be a single mom, build a career and take care, you know, take care of my kids. Like it was crazy to me to think that, you know, how do I like split myself and give evenly to it all? Because let's just be honest, you can't, Mm -hmm. you absolutely Mm -hmm. can't. There are, there are times that I miss bedtime readings. There are times Mm -hmm. that I miss my kids activities that they were doing at school because of work. Right. Mm -hmm. So everything wasn't equal, but when I couldn't do that, when there were times that I could lean into having extra long weekends with them or taking Mm -hmm. time off and taking vacations or, Mm -hmm. you know, treating them, taking them out of school to go see Harry Potter, you know, just these little things I was able to do Mm -hmm. may not have been these other checklist things that creates an equal balance, but I was able to lean in and out in ways that allowed me to um, realize my value systems and everything with my family, my life and my, in my career. For sure. Yes. I'm there. I'm with you. And like, (laughs) and career sometimes is the thing. Like I flatlined my career for a number of years. Why? I had two under two and a spouse who traveled all the time. And it was not the time to take a huge career step because I couldn't and do the other thing. But then, you know, I just made a huge career move. Mine are now in high school and middle school. It's different. I can do it now. I couldn't do it. Eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, I think the biggest thing is as long as you do it with the full knowledge and agreement and you're okay with it and you're like, this is the choice that I'm making in my life right now, then that is what it needs to be. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important being aligned with our choices, right. And and reminding Mm -hmm. ourselves, this was my choice. Yes. Yes. Don't have that that kind of mindset toward our choices, it can get a little murky, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We can feel resentful or Mm -hmm. start Mm -hmm. feeling like a victim to life as opposed to, no, I made these choices for this. And this is what, going back to what I said earlier, like we're so afraid to make the wrong choice or think a choice is a forever choice. And it's not, it's Uh -uh. the choice that makes the most sense in this point in time in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about the ecosystem, this is why I talk about career more as thinking about it as an ecosystem, because it shifts and changes as we grow and change in the lifespan, as our lives change and things in our lives change, so does our career. That ecosystem mm-hmm. goes with us everywhere we go. So our career is going to shift mm-hmm. in that ecosystem as well. Absolutely. It has to. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go back to the, the, I don't know what I want to do folks. Cause we know yes. that they, yep. they like I'm miserable, but I don't know what's out there. I don't know what I do. And I, you know, it's so hard. I actually was so psyched. My daughter's high school. She showed me this thing they have online that like they can put all these different things in and it spits out all these potential careers. I'm like, where was that in the early <laughs> right. 90s? Cause 
it, it was so cool. And I do think a lot of us don't know all the stuff. And of course yeah. there's stuff that when we got out of school, didn't exist. Right. You know, there was oh, no yeah. social media. So, you know, you talk about how you coach people who are ready to unapologetically discover and do what they were meant to do in this world. But talk to us a little bit about the process of figuring out how to discover what we're meant to do in this world. Yeah, I, I love this question, you know, and, and of course my clients like, help me, what do I do? And so, yeah. you know, I always say, you know, it starts with the discovery process, right? So it starts like getting clear, just what you said earlier, Kathleen, about like, what are my gifts? What do I have to bring to the table? What do I offer? What am I good at? What do I love, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. And then what we need to do is once we have that list, then we go look for something that meets that criteria. That, mm-hmm. That's the process. Now, let me tell you what people do and what we've been trained to do. We've been trained to go out and look at all the titles and job mm-hmm. out, jobs out there and try to ask ourselves, now, how can I fit into one of these? Mm-hmm. So we are trying to jam a square, mm-hmm. a round peg into a square hole all the time. And that's why we're like, I don't know what I want to do. But I want you to really think about it. Before you buy a car, you will sit down and you'll make a list. What kind of car do we need? Uh, you know, what fits our family? Um, what kind of mileage do we want? Do we want electric or do we want gas? Do we want a big one, a small one? What color do I want? Like, how do what did what, what's the interior? We will come up with a list of all of the things that we want before we go car shopping. Yep. We don't just show up at any old dealership and say, I'll take that one and hoping it works. <laughs> we make a list and then we hold, and then if we go to a dealership or wherever, and they try to offer us something not aligned with that list. We're like, you're crazy. I don't want that car. No, let me go yeah. someplace else. That's exactly what you do with your career. Like, you know what you want. Yeah. You make the list of your gifts, your talents, your skills, everything you have to offer, where you want to work, how you want to work, what do you mm-hmm. want to get paid, mm-hmm. who you want to do it with. And you take that list and then you go find what makes sense for that. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's like going and buying a pair of six shoes, hoping they will fit when you know you were an eight, but you're going to make it work. You're going to cram <laughs> right. that foot. Right. And so that's really, but the reason we don't do that, the reason that we claim this, I don't know what I want is because we're afraid of making the wrong decision. Yep. It goes mm-hmm. right back right. to what you said earlier, Liz, about fear mm-hmm. is that if I make a choice, if I say, this is what I'm able to do and want to do and love to do, what if I go for something that you know, what if I do, what if it ends up being a juggler? <laughs> and I'm being super facetious right now. But, yeah. but, You're in you good know, company. But, but what if it's a job that people don't like or respect or doesn't hold the same status symbol as if I were a lawyer? Or yeah. what if it doesn't pay me the same thing that I was making over here? Or, mm-hmm. or what if it, you know, whatever the reasons that we have in our mind yeah. to say that that's not where we should go. Like all of those are the reasons that we convince ourselves that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, this, your process, Carol, sounds a lot like our ideal job process where, you know, sure before, <laughs> before someone considers another job, sit down and really kind of go into detail and think about what is it, what is it that I really want and what kind of environment do I want to be in and what kind of boss do I want to work with and yes. coworkers and, you know, all of that stuff is so important. Mm-hmm. It is so important. Yeah. And I bet you probably find because I find this, even when people do that work, they're still like, but then now what? Now, what do mm-hmm. I do? Yes. Like, tell me the job title. Mm-hmm. Give me the, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it really, it really is 
you, what you're asking is really like me saying, here's a pair of six shoes. Now go make that work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so doing that work and allowing that to be the definer for what it is that you want to do. I've had so many clients who have stepped into positions that they didn't even know existed, have stepped into new careers that they didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. because they were so focused on, well, shouldn't I promote or shouldn't I take this job? Or isn't it, doesn't it make sense in my career trajectory to go here as -hmm. opposed to what do I really want to do and finding something that's aligned and then leaning into that and absolutely loving it Mm -hmm. because they're actually realizing who they are, their gifts, their authentic self, their skills, all of that stuff they bring to the table in the most wonderful way. Mm -hmm. That's the way that you find a good fit. That's Mm -hmm. the way you find a good fit. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Carol, you've built this company, you've built this brand and, and really what you've created is a movement for women that you've worked with. Right. So can you tell us more, a little bit about your company and, and the brand and, and how you built that to attract the types of clients you wanted to work with? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think fundamentally I lived it, right. It was, mm-hmm. it was me looking around and not seeing anything like there, like that out there for me and deciding yeah. to create something because, you know, we're pack animals and we like company. (laughs) So, so, you know, it it was going through, I remember years ago, like I said, when I had the accident and I was, you know, going through this process and it was a few years after my divorce and there was just so much confusion out there. And what was in front of me were these traditional kind of pathways that just didn't seem to register with me. And the other thing, and the reason why I always talk about midlife and women at midlife and why I I'm really adamant about the midlife piece is because at midlife, we're experiencing things in ways that are very different than when we're in our twenties. Like there's this shift around our identity and and separating our career identity from our true identity. There's a rediscovery Mm -hmm. of our identity. Now we have kids that are a certain age. We have aging parents. We have mortgages. We we have, Mm -hmm. we have health issues Mm -hmm. our bodies are transitioning and changing and they're not what they once were. There's so many things that are happening at that time that to be able to really own who you are. And and here's the other thing. So my my doctoral research was focused around um, gender identity and um, Mm. just identity development in general and how we as women define who we are and antithesis to all the messages that we get. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happen is you get older in midlife, society kind of says, you've had your turn, now go sit down, move out the way and let Mm -hmm. the young generation come in and have their turn. Mm -hmm. And so there's not a lot of support for women at midlife to be bold and powerful and own your voice and to say Mm -hmm. no or I don't want to do that. And women in our age group also were raised not to do that. Right. right. So, so this silencing in a lot of ways that takes place was Mm -hmm. just deafening to me and it was overwhelming for me. And so that's why um, not only, not only do I talk about career, but I talk about it in the, in the sense that it's an opportunity of liberation mm-hmm. through your work Love of that. really bringing yourself through your work is such a powerful way so that ultimately your life becomes so much 
better and meaningful and valuable and richer and wonderful and and all of those things because we're only in the second chapter it is not over for us and so that's where a lot of this came from and what I've done but the how I built it was just being real authentic sharing my journey sharing my truth sharing my struggles just sharing the honesty of the process Mm -hmm. and having women just really relate and resonate with it I love that all of it, all of it. Yep. But I think of, there's a lot of, especially women, and I see it as a mom of middle and high school age kids, the moms who maybe stepped away from the workplace, they see that they enter high school and they see the end coming mm, four years. Yeah. I got, you know, especially when the last one's about to fly and it's, and, or they start driving. It's like, what's my purpose? I have yes. no purpose anymore. Yes. What do I do? I, yes. I've, I've, I've now been out of the workforce for 14 years or something. And what's my identity? If not mom, not that you won't be a mom once they go away or they're driving, but let's be honest, like the day in day out, it's a little different. Yeah. And there's this huge crossroads that I think the mothers that have stayed in the workforce don't have as hard a time with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but see, in the that, same way. I absolutely agree with you. And that is to me because of what society has fed us a line of BS <laughs> that you're not valuable <laughs> right. as a woman unless you're in the workforce struggling alongside a man. Like, do you know what it takes to raise to run a house and raise a family? <laughs> yes, that's I a do. CEO right there. That's a CEO. That's a CEO. And so yeah. that's what I mean about this, this, these messages that we uh-huh. get. That somehow that's less than, you know, it's why we devalue teaching because mostly women do it. So we're Mm -hmm. in this patriarchy paradigm, patriarchal paradigm that devalues women and what the contributions that we make so that the patriarchy can still feel valuable. And so for women who have been quote unquote out of the traditional workplace, Mm -hmm. but in their own workplace, Mm -hmm. it's just really about reframing that narrative. And just like I said earlier about what it takes to move across country with a tin week old, uh-huh. what it takes to run a house, like build out those skill sets that you develop, my friend, that mm-hmm. most MBA 20 some year old male MBA doing. graduates couldn't even do in their best day that That's you've right. been able to juggle for the last 10 years. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. And also question, you know, the thoughts that we've been kind of programmed with that yes. our career stops at a certain point, or, you know, we don't have a career as a mom, whatever the thought is, right? Exactly. Whose thought did it come from that? That made you, you probably didn't create that thought yourself. You took it on from someone else. No. And you can no. decide, hey, that that thought is not mine and I don't have to have that. That's and once exactly you dump right. that, once you dump that thought, then you can then you can go for what you really want. Right? Then you can go for what you want. And that's why I do. I call my community, my midlife career rebels. <laughs> I love that. Right? I just love that. It is really about bucking the system, you know, tearing up that rule book, quit following other people's mm-hmm. ideas of what's best for your life. Mm-hmm. And you define your path, right? You get that, get your thinking and your mindset in a way to know that you have so much to offer and, and so much value. Mm-hmm. And when you know that, then own that. Yes. And yes. when you own it, other people will believe it too. When you believe it, others will believe it too. It's not just lip service. And here's no. here's the thing. We're all so much more powerful than we think we are. Oh, mm. yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so taking all of that, 
and talking, you do a lot of work on personal brand. Yeah. And so taking that to personal brand and I want to like kind of focus on per- obviously the person who wants to be a speaker entrepreneur, that's a di- one brand. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. what about the, talk to me about the personal branding for that person who's happy, you know, being in a big team and just do, you know, doing their thing. And like, they like what they do, but they need to, they want to stand out or something like that, but they don't need the spotlight and the stage and all those things. Oh yeah. Listen, branding is all about you putting out your unique value proposition. It's like, what do I offer the world? That's really what branding is. And Mm -hmm. listen, if you are somebody who, you know, is a programmer and you program like nobody's business, then you own that, you speak that, you step up in that space. You position yourself as a leader in that area and that you are the best that it has to offer. Whether you're trying to get on stage or get a promotion or just want to let people know this is what I'm about and what I do. Yeah. Right. So, so branding is about you bringing your authentic gifts forward yes. and showing what you uniquely bring to the table. So it doesn't matter what the end game or the goal is for how you want to show up, but branding starts fundamentally with you owning who you are, mm-hmm. knowing what you have to offer and letting people know what that is. Just communicating that out there in the world. And that's fundamentally what branding is about. I so like it doesn't that. matter. I like yeah. the way that you kind of simplify it because branding can be so, um, you know, quote branding, it can be very uh, mysterious. And I think the way that you communicated that is one of the best ways I've ever heard it communicated. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And and like, if you're happy being a programmer on the programming team and you're just like, you're a really amazing programmer. So your profile says, I'm an amazing programmer. You don't have to be posting every day. Amazing programmer. Amazing programmer. (laughs) It's it's just, you like say that's what you are. So when someone's looking for amazing programmer, there you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Committing on GitHub or you're doing whatever you do in your amazing programmer world to just show it off without, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops. You just have to be it real. Yes. Be it and own it. Be it and own it. Like I'm a, I'm a boss programmer and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. And I'm happy being my boss programmer self. Exactly. So if you need one, that's right. me. Right. Call exactly. Me. Call exactly. me. We'll talk. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we talked a little bit about for fear earlier, right? You know, it can either hold us back or push us forward, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how we choose to perceive it. <laughs> so question for you personally, Carol, where in your, or when in your career journey were you most fearful and how did you navigate that energy? Mm, That's a great question. You know, I think for me, it was the decision to become an entrepreneur. It was, Mm. it was really, I I had, I dabbled in entrepreneurialism in my forties, but I always had a job. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, Yes, yes. And so, and even though I love doing it and thought, oh, this would be great. I, I just, the idea of not doing that, uh, of not having the the, um, the job as the kind of foundation w- was a hard thing for me. Yeah. So when I decided to do it, you know, at right on the precipice of 50, it was the most scary thing in the world to me because, you know, of course I had thoughts that that's foolish and I'm not being practical. And, you know, I have kids who are like right on the precipice 
process of starting college. Um, you know, like who does that? <laughs> right. And I have tuition to pay, you know, and what about my retirement plan? I mean, right. my goodness, like, is this the time that you want to walk away from that? And so I had all of these thoughts in my mind. So it was, it was totally scary. Plus I remember my daughter who I think was, she was a sophomore or junior at the time in high school. She was like, are we going to be poor now? Like she, she was like, what are, what's like happening now? Mm-hmm. So it was really scary for me. But the thing that pushed me through was at the time that I really started wrestling with it, uh, my father died. Oh. And my dad was a man who had always talked entrepreneurialism to his family. Mm. He had always said to us that, you know, there's nothing like owning your own and creating your own economy that, you know, he always, you know, even when I got my law degree, he was like, you should start your own practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, at the time I was like, oh, it's, you know, crazy. But, you know, it was something about at that time and moment that I don't know if I just felt the power of that man. Mm-hmm. You know, he always instilled in us, we could do whatever we want, be whatever we want. He was just always that kind of motivator. And I felt when he died, there was something that washed over me almost as if, you know, again, another traumatic moment that made me say, you know what, life is too short and why not? You know, I, right. I had thought about and practiced this idea of like, go after what you want, don't live a life of regret, right? Mm-hmm. And I just decided to, to just do it. And it's not that I recommend that for everybody, but I literally, two weeks after he passed, called my boss and I was like, I quit. I'm done. And I think about that now, like maybe that was a little crazy, but but I needed to, for me, I needed to rip the bandaid and like go full force in because if I kept one foot here and one foot there, I know Mm -hmm. for me personally, I don't know if I would have gone full in Mm -hmm. and if not then like when, right. So that was like the most scariest time for me. And I remember Mm -hmm. like going to church and going to networking meetings and I would always hear these little messages about go for it or try, like there was the people would quote something or say something. And it felt like all these little messages was like, go for it, Carol, go for it. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I just, I did it. And I'm so grateful that I did it. As soon as I yeah. made the decision, all of the fear washed away. And I felt the most calm that I had felt in anytime I could remember. And that let me know I made the right choice and I was yep. moving in the right direction that it was just like my thinking. And, you know, the, my amygdala was like completely hijacked. Mm-hmm. My brain was mm-hmm. like, ah, what are you doing? But once I like kind of calmed that down and said, you know what, mm-hmm. we're going to make this happen. And I sat down and talked to my family and I since got remarried and my husband was like, what are you doing? I was the main breadwinner. Like he worked, but my salary was the breadwinner, the, the, the health insurance, like it was all on me. And even he, for a moment was like, what's going on? But he said, you know what? I believe in you and let's, we're just going to have to make it work. And it took him a couple of days to get there. But got there, And I never looked back and it has been a beautiful growing. I felt like in so many ways, my life began at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I, I truly, you know, people metaphorically talk about the second chapter, but it really feels like a whole new chapter of growth and development in my life that had I not taken that risk, I know would have been one of the biggest regrets of my life. Totally. That's a great story. Yeah, that's, I love that. I love that. Yep. Awesome. So read a lot of your blog posts and give great advice on resignation, career goals, you know, 
we all been talking about the same topics. But um, <laughs> I I wanted to ask you, like, you know, we're we're all you can't look at anything without seeing great resignation, great yeah. realization. And I like your great realization piece of it. But like, tell us what you're seeing in the market, especially from your clients, but also like, what do you see as is happening right now? Because it's kind of wild out there. It's very wild out there. And, you know, the two underscoring things that are, I think, causing some of the biggest change is the fact that there is uncertainty right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone and, and I was saying that, you know, what's interesting is that we all, I think, intellectually accept that, oh, you know, Life is short. We won't be here forever. Anything could happen. Tomorrow's not promised. I don't, you know, whatever vernacular phrase that you would use. Mm-hmm. But this pandemic, these last 18 months have brought that to like a realization yep. that I think has freaked a lot of people out. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean it really could happen that, you know, something like this could happen. So, so sitting in the midst of uncertainty right now and the fear of planning or knowing what to do or what should I do or shouldn't I do anything because of all the uncertainty is, is, is a big deal and the mental health issues that have just really been popped up, like Mm -hmm. the amount of anxiety and depression that have been reported, you know, for people who are are experiencing everything that's going on right now now is really, really high. So with these two things that are like at the underbelly, one of the things that I see is really a push for how can people um, lean into doing work that is valuable and important to them? How can they do something that makes them feel amazing and wonderful that brings, that gets rid of the balance and really has alignment in how they live their life? Um, the other thing that I see futuristically because of this uncertainty is how can you develop these transferable skills? Like how can you ebb and flow and be adaptable? Like I think that's the biggest thing. If you can demonstrate that when anything comes your way, that you know how to flex and flow with it, that you're not so rigid. The best skill to have. Yes. If you're not stuck in a way of doing, or this is the way we've always done, like that is long gone. And so what you have to be able to do is to really lean into your adaptability, agility, flexibility skills to talk about how you can not just know technology, but use technology in innovative ways to advance things forward or to shake things up or change things Mm -hmm. if something comes up different in the next six months or not, right? How can you have a career that allows you to really lean into your values and what you love to do and be who you are. Like all of these things, because of this uncertainty and everything that's been happening, it's really shifting. I mean, employers are looking for people who have greater human-centric skills and have a a human-centric approach to their work, where they're more well-rounded, that they have great critical thinking skills, that they can communicate, that they understand global fluency or intercultural fluency, that they connect to people, that they know how to lead, not just through through the lens of being a leader, but how do you motivate and inspire other people in times of uncertainty and change? So, so what, what I'm seeing is that what employers are looking for is you. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, not just a resume, not just your degrees and, and really they're more focused in how can you bring something that's going to um, help them adapt and adjust and continue to be in this kind of innovative and creative space, 
with when we're living in uncertainty right now. Mm-hmm. So that you may come in with this skill set and you know how to do this, but what if it changes in six months? Can yeah. you can are you forward enough thinking and have enough of those skill sets to motivate me, inspire me, um, to teach me, to connect to me in such a way that allows me to move that to change and flow yes. and ebb if as things change move forward. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm I'm seeing because of these fundamental changes yep. that what employers are looking for is very different and how we need to show up is different than how we ever have before. I agree with you on that. I also think that there's different camps, right? Like, so there's the people that are resigning from one job to go to the exact same job, a very similar type of place. And they're just, I hate it, it's here. So I'm going to go right here and do the same thing again. And in six, eight months, I'm going to be miserable there and keep, you know, like, and then there's the people who are like, whoa, that was crazy. This place is toxic and icky. I am out and I'm, I have all these good questions and now I've made my must have list. And I like, this is bonkers. I'm out and I'm pivoting and like, I'm going. And Mm -hmm. frankly, you know, lockdown and all of that gave us time to stop, think, reflect and change. And so now as things open up, we're like, whoa, 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 not going back to the crazy not going to be hermits. Mm-hmm. Where's my happy middle? Yes. And what kind of job, company, role, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada supports that middle place. It allows me to go from my center authenticity to do all my things. Yes. But also I always hated being teacher, you know, the teacher's helper person, not doing it anymore. That was yeah. wonderful when I didn't have it. Audio's yeah. teacher's helper. <laughs> yeah. So I see that too. So I see it people falling into all these different buckets. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if with your clientele, if you're seeing similar or if you see it differently. No, no, no. That's absolutely that people are making choices that are best for them, you know, and that's why I called the great resignation, the great realization, because people are realizing that I don't want to like do the same old, same old, but I want to really do something that really reflects something that has, that lets me have a better quality of life. But what I also see is that I, I see companies saying, yeah, we need to create a space that allows people to have a better quality of life if we want to keep them and have them. So I'm seeing that the, the beautifulness is if you can, if that's where you're going and you can find an organization that's like, that's where we are too, then you really can find a place where you can grow and flourish because they'll, they'll respect you and what you want as much as what you bring to the table for them. Right. And I think if people, especially, you know, the demographic behind us, if they smell inauthenticity, if they smell toxicity, they run for the hills. They don't give it a chance. They book it. Yeah. Yeah. And so- Yeah. Companies have to be a good place to work and supportive and authentic and understand mental health and all the things, or you lose your workforce real fast. That's right. There's more pressure. There's more pressure now than ever on companies to, you know, maybe bend a little bit more than they did in the past. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's an employee's market and employers know that, which is why they're trying to create chief wellness officers. They're Mm -hmm. becoming more learning environments. They know they have to create a trust Mm -hmm. between you and them so that they're thinking about how can we create something that's going to impact your learning, your wellness, your financial support, like everything. Like they're, they're really thinking about that in deeper ways than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carol, I feel like we could just talk to you all day. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I tell you, I have, uh, 
I have more energy now than when we started the call. So <laughs> that, sure. that, that always says something. So please plug away. Tell, tell our audience where they can find you. Oh, you can go to my website. It's all kind of cool stuff there. So if you go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com, mm-hmm. you can find my blog. You can find, you know, I have a great masterclass called Unplugged from the Career Matrix that um, is, is on there. There's a free resource library. So there's a lot of cool things. And we'll if you're on it. social, yeah, yeah. And if you're on social, come find me on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram. You know, I love to hang out in those places. Awesome. Fabulous. <laughs> We do too. So we will tag you in all of them and uh, definitely want to uh, help people find you because you're fabulous. So thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Until next time. This is Real Job Talk, the podcast with practical advice for mid-career professionals. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and real job talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Facebook and Instagram at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kathleen Nelson Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat. And on LinkedIn, I'm Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm Liz B. Consult. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is produced by John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And thanks for joining us. Until next time.